Welcome in to another new AMP podcast. My name is Ben Dubose, your host, and I'm the news editor with the AMP Publications team, where I create content for both Codings Pro Magazine and Materials Performance Magazine. Today, we're happy to be joined by Chris O'Brien, founder and president of Polymer Nation, as well as Michael Douglas, technical director with the company. Based in Illinois, Polymer Nation is a chemical company focused on the development of cutting-edge coating technology for the industrial coatings, linings, and flooring marketplace. So to start our conversation, I'd like for each of you to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your career in the world of coatings. Chris, we can start with you. All right. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, my name is Chris O'Brien. I've been in the coatings industry since 1990. I started as a contractor and um, did that for years and then eventually bought a manufacturing company and uh, built that up, sold one, and uh, started another one. So I, I enjoy the space, and uh, I like um, every. I like being in the whole process from the manufacturing all the way through the installation. So um, that's kind of my summary of my background. Michael, same to you. Yes, thanks, thanks Ben for having us on. Um, my uh, history is a little shorter than Chris's here. About uh, seven or eight years ago, I was working on. A, uh, a chemistry degree at uh, Purdue Satellite Campus in Northwest Indiana. And um, I took a coatings chemistry course, and that was really my first exposure to the coatings industry, the coatings world. And that was where sort of the spark ignited. And um, shortly thereafter, actually before I graduated, I, I was able to get a job working in a, in a coatings lab, working on a lot of flooring, industrial flooring formulations, that type of stuff. And so um, for about the last seven or eight years now, I've been uh, exposed to the coatings industry and um, really just, you know, diving into it and, um, you know, excited to be, you know, working on those types of things and seeing all the new advancing technologies that are that are coming out and the improvements that are being made. And Chris, as a follow-up to that first question, can you tell us a little bit more about Polymer Nation? What are some of the technologies and services that are really in your wheelhouse? Yeah, so we focus on on the flooring industry, but also industrial coatings. Resin types include epoxies, polyaspartics, uh, urethanes, urethane cements, uh, vinyl esters, acrylics, so the whole gamut. And um, and we focus not just on, like I said, not just the floors, but we, we believe for every for every floor there's four walls and a ceiling, and we we don't want to abandon them. So we're focusing on driving new technology uh, to our to our customers and finding better solutions for them and trying to make the experience of using our products predictable, easy, and cost-effective. So you mentioned earlier that you've been in this business for three-plus decades now. What are some of the changes you've seen over that time? And now that we're entering 2024, what are some of the things that you're concerned about or keeping a watchful eye on moving forward? Some of the main things that I'm concerned about is the lack of knowledge and skill that I see in the actual application side of the business. It's There's a lot of dumbing down happening. For example, I, I've grown up in the business always talking about mills, and I'll, I'll say, hey, put it down at, at eight to 10 mills, and I'll get blank stairs. And the immediate question is, well, how many square foot per gallon? Uh, and so it, it just is it's slightly annoying, <laughs> you know, because it's kind of like, well, you know, in America anyways, Mills is our language. And okay. if you don't know that, it gets a little frustrating. 
Uh, so that so that's a little pet peeve of mine, but we work around it. We understand. But, you know, it is a change. We we don't see the kind of craftsmanship that we used to. I mean, there's a lot of design decorative guys using metallic type systems and concrete overlays that are very artistic. But I don't see guys really desiring as much to know the technical behind the scenes reasons as to why these products work, what makes it go. Uh, and and I'd love to see that. I, I, I like to be a part of educating people and exposing them to what is what and why is why. I know you talk to your clients on a regular basis. What are some of the pitfalls or concerns that you see when you're trying to navigate and move forward in your business? Just walk us through, I guess, some of the feedback you get from the field and what some of those common pain points, pitfalls, concerns, what have you, what are you hearing when you talk to a lot of your clients in that regard? I'll let Mike take this one. Okay. Yeah. And in terms of, you know, price is always uh, something being discussed and, 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 and talked about. You know, I, I'm thinking from the technical side in terms of our raw material, you know, raw material procurement with any coatings company. Um, you know, we're a little bit at the mercy of the world market. And we saw that a couple of years ago, shortly after COVID, just the up and down nature of raw material pricing. And it was quite the roller coaster for everyone in the industry. Um, things seem to have uh, stabilized. I think another potential pitfall is um, just sort of falling into the status quo of different coatings technologies. And, you know, I think to avoid that is to always, you know, be forward thinking, open-minded to new uh, developing, growing technologies. And we may discuss a few of them here in a little while, but rather than just falling in line, you know, and, you know, trying to avoid the whole um, make what everyone else has, which, you know, that's not, it's unavoidable to a certain extent, but um, yeah, staying out of that rut and always be forward thinking, looking for things that can be uh, improved upon and um, introduced to the industry. And with that in mind, what are some of the technologies that you think could make a big jump in coatings, be it this year or the next few years? You talk about not wanting to fall into the status quo of the coating technologies. Just walk us through what some of those newer technologies are that could potentially resolve some of those concerns. Yeah, uh, an interesting area is um, what I would call hybrid chemistries or hybrid resins, basically taking the unique beneficial features of two separate chemistries and combining them into one, one molecule is the best way to describe it. You know, to take the best world of epoxy chemistry and silicone chemistry and make a hybrid silicone epoxy resin, there, there are some materials already out there that have um, some manufacturers that are making those types of things. And so now we can bring, we can avoid the, the negative side of some of the, the things that we see in epoxy chemistry and, and combine them with the, uh, the benefits of other chemistries. So uh, there, there's some other, along those lines of hybrid chemistries, there, there's a lot out there. Another area that I think is maybe not, I wouldn't necessarily call it a big jump, but it's just sort of on a gradual incline and improving little by little is uh, bio-based renewable resource materials. How can we incorporate that into our everyday paints and coatings that we're using while still being able to technically and mechanically compete with the petroleum-based chemistry chemistries that we've been using for decades now? So a lot of, I know there's a lot of research, a lot of development going on, and it's, it's exciting for me to always see new literature and to go to the different uh, 
trade shows and hear all the new talks on all the developments with with the bio-based world. And I know um, depending with what architect firm or what engineers or what designers you're working with, there, there's more and more bio-based materials being specced into various jobs uh, across across the coatings industry. So it's um, you know manufacturers and the the, the R and D folks are definitely working on it, and um, so I, I think that continually making you know a gradual incline. Like I said, going back to the hybrid chemistries, you know silicone epoxy hybrids were just one of them. Um, there's some other unique things being developed in uh, acrylate-based chemistry coming out of Michael addition chemistry, that type of stuff that are also very interesting. It's it's not epoxy-based or anything like that or some of the usuals that we're used to. Um, so some new stuff that is slowly but surely coming on to the, to the, to the scene here. Yeah, and I, I want to add to that. I think, uh, I think we're going to continue to see um, UV-cured materials grow in 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 uh, use and in popularity the limiting factors right now uh, are film build and you know and adding pigmentation to them but as they continue to uh as we start to see more and more bans on on solvent usage and those kind of things we're gonna we're gonna have to start moving into systems that don't require the the solvent in these systems because even even the even with what's considered exempt solvents today, things that were exempt a while ago are now getting no, you know, put on the list of uh, as a VOC. So it's getting tougher and tougher to to use some of the the main standbys in the formulation. So I, I think I think UV cured materials are are going to continue to expand. I think I think we're going to see acrylics continue to find other uses. It's a fun place to be right now. I I'm enjoying the uh, working with Mike. On on so many different fronts, as we're we're working hundred solids, vinyl ester materials, and different things that you know that that still have uh, the performance capabilities of their solvent uh, brethren, but but take the solvent out of it. So yeah, that's just a little bit of kind of I think what's on the horizon for us and and for this this industry. You touched on cost earlier. As a follow up to that technical analysis, how do you make the case to some of your clients about the value add with these newer technologies, because I'm sure at least some of them are a little more expensive, but because they're better technologies, you're going to get much more bang for your buck on the back end because there's better and slightly different properties in terms of the level of protection that coding system can give. So it's sort of like investing a bit more on the front end, and then you realize those savings and then some on the back end, which I know higher upfront costs are never fun for anyone, but at the end of the day, if it can improve your bottom line in the long run, it's probably worth it. How do you, I suppose, communicate those dynamics when we're talking about these newer technologies? Yeah, well, first, I think it's it's making sure that the technology really is everything you say it is, so that it performs, it's it's uh, user-friendly enough for the average installer to to work with, and that the performance is everything you say. Um, I think as long as you have that data and and it solves a unique problem, you can you can get the pricing you need. The hard part is if it's really cutting edge is getting enough to recoup your r and d before everyone piles on because you can put a lot of time and money into developing something. And the first time a contractor gets it, he uses it, he justifies the price. It's not long after where the answer is, hey, 
look at this and and it gets beat down so in some ways when a company can't recruit its r d investment it gets a little gun shy of putting the resources in it to drive the tech uh so that that's just one one thing that jumped to my mind and ben i'd like to add uh back to the the technologies that are making big jumps um i i gotta add water-based chemistries in there as well yeah. um there, there's been some nice improvements in the last three to five years in terms of water-based epoxies uh water-based urethanes and i, I know what water-based um, chemistries are not limited just to those two so um, you know, we're continuing to look into more water-based systems um, that aren't epoxy, that aren't urethanes, those types of things, hybrid water-based chemistries, that type of stuff. So, you know, not not having the experience that Chris has, but hearing a lot of the stories and seeing and seeing a lot of things, um, water-based chemistry has come a long way and still improving. Yeah, we've been working on a water a waterborne polyaspartic and. It's 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 an interesting uh, technology. We're uh, we're happy with the the overall performance, but um, we're making things dance together that don't usually like dancing together. So uh, unconventional, yeah, Th things that are unconventional, uh, but that we're that we're looking into, and we think that there's some uh, real potential, real benefit there. Yeah, there's some fun uh, inventions that come out of dissimilarities that it's kind of interesting um when you're able to to see possible benefits that come from things that you wouldn't think would um would add up to a positive but yeah. but they can so beyond technologies and costs something you always hear out in the industry as a challenge is workforce development and what's on the horizon in the years and decades ahead. Because even if you're not a full-blown services provider, there's absolutely a trickle-down effect when it comes to the availability of people to actually install these systems and these technologies that you've been discussing. One of the initiatives, besides the obvious that you hear about all the time, as far as more you know, emphasis on trade schools and what have you, there's also so a growing role for artificial intelligence or AI. What are some of the ways you've seen that impact your business or the broader industry? And what do you expect from AI moving forward? Now, that's interesting how you phrased it around the, the training. And that is really key, the ability to do virtual training and using some of the new uh, technology in uh, computation that, that would allow us to give the experience of being here with us in our lab without having to make the journey. I think that's that's really uh, right here. It's right here and now ready to happen. I think watching big companies like Home Depot making a push to train the tradespeople. Um, and I do hope there's going to be a resurgence in the trades. I came out of the trades. I I was originally going to be a pastor and and uh, ended up going a different route into the trades. And the trades have have really been a blessing to to my family and to to what I do. So I really love the fact that we're able to create something. The battle is how do you take what you've learned over three decades and get it into a palatable form that other people can grasp quickly so that they don't have to spend 30 years to be able to make the money they need to, to make to provide for their families and to prosper. Uh, I think the other area that we think that AI is gonna play a big role is, is the analysis, the ability to compile giant data groups into um, categories that allow for faster and more thorough analysis 
you know, the ability to crunch numbers and to uh, to gather that to make better observations of what do these resin types really do well at over the long haul and where do they suffer? So I, I think that's going to be a, you know, continue to have a, a giant impact on on, you know, how we are able to gather that information and make better assessments and quicker evaluations to go forward with new products. Michael, is there anything you've seen on the AI front, just on the technical side and what it potentially means as far as development? Well, yes. Uh, it, in my limited exposure to it to the, up to this point, yes, I do think there's definitely a great potential benefit from an AI in terms of uh, future formulation, all the data that we could feed into a program and then have do all the, the work for us, so to speak, and be able to give some feedback information on what direction to head in terms of formulation. That I think is definitely a certain area of future benefit. As from my perspective at this point, as with all emerging technologies, I think yes, as we learn it, as we understand how to use it better, it's definitely we can then put it to work and you know, a lot with Chris was saying there, to our benefit right down the road and make it useful, make it make things more efficient for us. Um, and even from a production standpoint in, you know, these warehouses of all these manufacturers, right? Uh, how can AI make our production more efficient, useful, and, and all the feedback that it can potentially provide for us? It's still, um, you know, speaking personally, it's still something I, I'm continuing to try to grasp and get my hands on and understand, okay, how can this be used, you know, for the good and to our benefit and uh, make things better? Yeah, I wanted to add something when we were talking about the workforce is efficiency is so critical and automation as as it's harder and harder to find people that want to do fairly mundane tasks. Uh, the ability to automate and to do it in a way that doesn't break the bank because right now mm -hmm. we're not a uh, you know General Motors or a Ford. We we can't afford the robots that they can, <laughs> but yeah. the ability to understand how to best utilize uh, what I call platform resin. So the ability to to make large quantities of a platform resin, send it down the stream and have the different things added to it that make it perform in a unique in a unique way. I think those kind of abilities uh, to streamline that with computer controls would be would be so so beneficial to to the cost savings because in our business, to be honest with you, the costs of our products are artificially low because of how manufacturers have traditionally gone to market in the floor space. It has evolved as a direct-to-contractor type of business. And so for many businesses, a distribution model, the only way you make that model flow is you have to sell at such a competitive number. Um, but the distribution model has its upside also. But what's happened is that many of the contractors already know what the pricing is, but they're really paying wholesale pricing. And so that that interesting struggle is is going to continue. And companies that go through a distribution model are going to have to find other cost savings in order to support the middleman, which is these distributors. And you know, it's not a coincidence. Polymer Nation does go through a distribution model. We don't sell direct to to contractors. We mm -hmm. We, we believe in, in having somebody in the location 
that is there to service these people. The the battle is obviously the you know, slice of the pie that everybody can get from that. So hopefully we can find continue to find uh, efficiencies that that allow us to deliver it to the point of sale and allow them enough margin to to justify uh, their existence and to mm-hmm. to take care of their family. Makes sense. All right, as we wind down, one last question on my agenda, and this is more idealistic. But when we talk the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, what's the dream coding that you guys would love to develop and present to the world? If we're taking away many of the logistics, I suppose, hurdles at the moment, just speaking idealistically, what's something that you would love to develop and eventually present to the world? Yeah, so I'll go first. This is Chris. Mike will go second. But I have a few, but the the one that's been uh, something I've been working on for a while is using um, thermo, thermochromatic pigments to create uh, coatings that uh, can modulate in color to to absorb and reflect heat. And uh, it, it has a lot of challenges, but it, it would it would be such it would have such a giant impact on our earth, the ability to to absorb heat when needed and reflect it when not just the just the cost savings from a roof coating that would do that would be astronomical and so that's been something on my wish list it's uh the problem is uv tends to destroy the uh the characteristics of the thermochromatic pigment so it's it's not there yet but hopefully one day we can we can do that and, and there's a lot of really radical things like that that people are are working on. Um, nano dots that can basically carry signals through coatings, um, reprogram how things function within the coating. There's, there's, I, it really is pie in the sky. Mike and I were just talking about using non-convertible coatings as a way to have a a far better recyclable material because. If you watch some of the YouTube channels, a lot of this recycling effort that all of us do in our blue containers every week ends up in the same landfill as the garbage can. And, mm-hmm. you know, what if we really had products that could be brought back and reused right off the bat, reformed into something totally different? It, it could be really an amazing uh, technology. Did I steal yours? No, no. <laughs> Did you talk about the nano dots? I just I, mentioned it okay, briefly. Yeah. But- you know, Chris, probably more original to him, but, you know, the idea of being able to embed nanotechnology into a coding and it, it's it's already out there. I've already seen some presentations yeah, and yeah. heard some talks about it that you can tracing technology yeah, into the yeah. coding, that type of stuff. And you, you it would help it. You know, this plays into all different, you know, inspections, that type of stuff. So. Um, yeah, that's happening now. Hey, got yeah. a shout out to Craig McNair at uh, yeah. Flammer Brothers. I know Craig's done some work, and uh, it, it it is really fascinating. It's um it's just kind of it's being used, but it still has huge huge potential. It's just um, a lot of work has to go into it still. And, and when we talk about dream coatings, I mean, man. You know, this is probably a little more grounded down to earth here, practically speaking, um, because I deal with it, you know, every day in in the lab, so to speak. But epoxy chemistry, you know, the standard bisphenol A epoxy that that is used most in in a lot of epoxy uh, 2K, two component epoxy formulations. You know, uh, if we could if we could develop epoxy chemistry that was UV stable, 
um, that was again, and, and when we talk about dream coatings, part of my dream for dream coatings is to be able to get some of these high priced, high value resins, you know, a little more affordable that we could uh, incorporate into a lot of just our uh, flooring industrial settings, speaking a little selfishly there, but um, yeah, I mean, we obviously have to account for all the elements that these coatings are going to be exposed to moisture, you know, light, sunlight, that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that I personally have a specific dream coating, um, but it's exciting to see the progress that is being made little by little. Yeah, I will say that. Yeah, it, it, it's a uh, it's a fun time to to be alive yeah. in the lab. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent insight there from Chris O'Brien, founder and president of Polymer Nation, and Michael Douglas, technical director. Guys, any last words for our audience and also for anyone who wants to learn more about you or your company, or perhaps if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way they can reach out or learn more about what you all are doing over at Polymer Nation? Yeah, you can reach out to me at cjobrien at polymernation.com and love to hear from the listeners and interact. What I love most about the business is there's always something to learn from other people. And that's something I value greatly. Yeah, and then I'll just I'll just finish by saying that the coatings industry, there is never a dull moment. And that um, for those interested in coatings, whether you apply them, whether you work with them in the lab, formulate them, uh, man, education is just so important. And, you know, for Chris and I keeping ourselves continually educated, but then for us to continue to educate clients and customers. And that's that's the exciting part, something I enjoy getting to do on a consistent basis. But, um, I, yeah, I, I'm excited for the future of the coatings industry and uh, look forward to seeing where all these developments continue to go. All right, that will do it for today. For Chris O'Brien and Michael Douglas, I'm Ben DuBose, news editor with the AMP Publications team. If you want more resources from our end, you can check out our websites at amp.org, ampp.org for the association, codingsformag.com for Codings for Magazine, and materialsperformance.com for Materials Performance Magazine. With those plugs complete, we will close up shop right here. Thanks as always for listening, and please come back soon for another new episode.